Glory to God. Does anybody believe in this place? Hallelujah. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet and open our Bibles, please, to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter 11. Jimmy told me that they wanted to do this song, and it goes along with what we're learning, glory to God, and what I've been sharing on concerning faith. The book of Hebrews chapter 11. To refresh our memory, let's begin reading in verse 1. When you got it, say so. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being de dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was found. And he was not found. He was taken. He had this testimony before he was taken that he pleased God. Verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And this is the verse we'll be focusing on today. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your living word, Father God. Your word that is sharper than any double-edged sword, Lord God. Your word that divides bone and marrow. Your word that is a discerner of the thoughts of our heart, the motives in our lives. Father, this morning, we stand in awe of you. Oh, we recognize that you are dealing with us as your people, my Lord. Father, calling us to another level, my Lord, of faith. Calling us, Lord God, to be those people who live out your word every day. And Father, I thank you because your word is not impotent, Lord God, but it is able to change us and transform us and what it requires of us, Lord God, it empowers us to do. And so I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to our hearts today. And Lord God, that you would empower us to live out your word, to walk by faith, to live by faith. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thus far in our series, obviously Pastor Frank was with us last week, but just to recap a little bit, we have been challenged, or I know I've been challenged, and I would hope that you have been challenged by the words of Christ found in the book of Luke chapter 18, which is where we began our journey on this faithful living, which is what God has called us to do. He has called us to be full of faith in our everyday lifestyle. We're to be filled with his word and filled with the hope of his return to this earth and everything that he says in his word, we're supposed to be walking that way. And Jesus, in the book of Luke chapter 18, he talks about him of avenging his, his, his sons and his daughters, and he says at the end there, he says, but when the Son of God returns to the earth, will he truly find faith in the earth? And that was the question that we began with. Is he really going to find the faith that is supposed to be found within us? 
We continue to look at the scriptures and we looked at um, the definition of faith as we see in the beginning of chapter 11 there and we realize and if you don't yet please I hope that you get it in your spirit that there is something that should happen to you as a child of God. You should be filled with something. You should have an imprint in your heart of what God's will and purpose is for you and, to, and what it is that God wants you to see within your life because that imprint that God places inside of us when we are born again will cause us to fight against all odds. It will cause us to run this race until we see God's will fulfilled in us. But if there is no imprint of faith inside of you, if there is no imprint that God has placed in your heart, then you know what you're going to do? You're going to accept life however it comes. You're just going to accept everything the way that it is. You're not going to have any type of optimism. You're not going to have any type of fight in you. You're going to go ahead and be that person who, Pastor Anna, I love it, is having a pity party that ain't nobody coming to because you know how it is. You just don't have that imprint that says this is not supposed to be like this. Hello. But see, it doesn't just cause you to be loud and cause you to be excited, but it causes you to live a certain way. Hallelujah. See, because it's one thing to get loud. You know, I remember when, I, when we were young, you know, when, when I was younger. Glory to God. I'm still young. Hallelujah. But I remember when, when, when you know, when, 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 we were, when we were younger and, you know, there were certain people, you know, that, that they just could just talk. I mean, they would just run their mouth to no end, you know, to just intimidating folks. But when it came time to really get down to business, and what I mean is to really throw them hands, mm -hmm. they were loud. And they made a lot of noise, but they also fell the fastest. That's the reason they were so loud and made a lot of noise. Because they were trying to intimidate you for what? So that way you wouldn't want to fight them. So they would scare you with their mouth. Can I let you know some church? The devil is not scared of what you say. He is scared of what you live. No, y'all didn't hear me? I, I, no, no, no. You see, you because see, we just think that we're just going to say stuff, and that's just going to make. No, no, no. The Bible says, submit yourself to God, period. Resist the devil, and he will flee. That word resistance, church, deals with a spiritual warfare mindset. That word resistance is talking about wrestling. So how do you resist him? Is it just with words? No, it begins with words. Hello? It begins with your confession, but it doesn't end there. So don't think you're just going to walk around just confessing stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to confess all day long and everything is going to be all right. Let me ask you a question. Is your confession lining up with your lifestyle? Mm -hmm. Mighty quiet up in here. Is your confession is what you're saying lining up with how you're living are you because if that's that's occurring then we're going to see what we will see the enemy fleeing because that's how you truly submit to God you don't just get some you know word and you understand what God wants you to do but what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to be a doer of the word not just a speaker of the word hallelujah glory to God I don't know why I'm going here but hallelujah praise him Listen, there is more to this faith walk than just speaking things into existence. Hello. 
We have got to be a people that are living according to what the scriptures say. And so we looked at the definition of faith. And, and as we looked at this dem, de, um, definition, we then continued on to see the demonstration, the examples that are found in the word. And the first example, the first person I said who made it to this hall of faith here is, is, is a man by the name of Abel. And he demonstrates for us this powerful thing called faith in worship. He demonstrates the first place where things got to start with you and I in this place of worship because what worship truly is, is it is your response to God's almightiness, to God's full power, to all that he is. That is when worship begins. Worship doesn't necessarily begin when you start singing songs. Worship begins the moment you get a revelation that you can't live without him. That you cannot live without his, 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 him sustaining you. When you get that revelation, that's when worship begins, church. When you get that, that that's what Abel did. Abel was like, okay, I'm over here. I'm, I got these flocks. You know, they're having babies. They're fruitful. Hallelujah. And so what do I need to do? I need to go on ahead and grab my best stuff, and I need to bring it before him. Why? Because I realize that everything that I see good, everything that I have good is because of what? Because he is supplying it. Therefore, I'm going to worship him in faith and say, Lord, I just want you to know I thank you. Hello. I want you to know that I depend on you. And then we move on from that demonstration of worship and we move on to the next person who made it into this lineup and is a man by the name of Enoch. And he demonstrates for us what is the next step that is logical, which is once I have a revelation of who God is and I am a worshiper of God, now the next thing that needs to happen is I need to get up off of my face before him physically, remaining there spiritually and in my soul bound before for him and then I need to begin to now walk with him I need to begin to now walk in a relationship of commitment to him every day so it's not enough see because what happens is we'll come to an altar and give our lives to Jesus because he died for us and shed his blood and we realize that we're sinners and we need this savior and we come to the altar we worship and we say God I surrender but then we walk away I worship you I surrender to you, I recognize my need for you, but I'm going to walk my way. No church. So he gives us an example in Enoch, and he says, okay, you worship, now you got to walk. And then we move on to our person of the day, which is a man by the name of Noah, which shows us that when you worship and you walk, inevitably it will produce work. You will now begin to be a person who is a faithful worker. You will be a person who has worshiped. You will be a person, a person who is walking, and you will be a person who is now working. And when I'm talking about working, I'm not just talking about any old work. I'm not talking about your nine to five. Hello, somebody. I'm talking about your life. Being a work unto the Lord, a work that you're doing and walking with our God Almighty. Amen? 
We must keep this in mind because we're talking about walking by faith and not by sight. We realize that we talked about worship. So how do we worship? By faith, we worship God. We don't necessarily worship him because everything around us is so perfect, because everything around us is so wonderful. We worship him because of who he is, and we have a revelation that even though everything around us may be falling apart, everything around us may not seem to be the way that we want it to be, we worship him because what? We realize that that he is the one who keeps us. So by faith, we worship him, not by sight. By faith, we walk with him. Sometimes, you know, when you think about walking by faith, I love the story of, of Peter because Peter is on this boat and Jesus walks by them. And when Jesus walks by, they all get scared. It's in the middle of the night. They've been rowing their way. They're going through this difficult storm and they all look, they all scream and shout. But Peter, you know, Jesus is like, listen, you know, peace be with you. This is me. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me to you and I'll, and I'll come. Mind you, this is a boisterous, just loud, obnoxious storm that is hindering them from getting to where they want to get. And Peter, he doesn't say, bring us to the shore. He says, look, you know what? I want to step out on this water like you're walking. Hello? So what does he say? He says, I want to, by faith, walk. And so what does he do? He steps out of the boat. So you know what, church? We learn, we learn a very good example. If you want to walk on water, guess what you got to do? Step out the boat. Hello? You, 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 you want to see the miraculous? You want to see this wonderful blessing? You, you need to get out of the place of, you know, your security. Hello? And say, well, you know what? It's hellish anyway. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's been hindering me anyway. And so obviously this, oh, y'all ain't saying, this boat is not what's going to get me to where I need to get, but it is the Savior who is going to get me there. So what does the scripture say? The scripture says that Peter steps out on the water, and he, I don't know how long he walked or whatever. The beauty of it is that he walked, and then he shows us that as you are walking with him, what do you need to do? Maintain your focus on the Savior. But here is the beauty, that even if you can't maintain your focus, the Savior is going to pick you up because by faith you were walking and not by sight. But there's something even more glorious because then the scripture says that when Jesus steps into the boat, immediately they were at their destination. What does that tell us, church? That tells us that some of us are hindered from getting to where God wants us to be because we're too busy sitting in the boat waiting for us to get to where we need to be. And God is saying, come on, when you get out the boat, I'm going to step in the boat with you. And guess where you're going to be? Right where you, right where you need to be. Oh, glory to God. I, I know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's too early in the message for that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Listen, listen, listen. By faith we walk, and then all of a sudden we come to this other place. By faith we work. We work as unto the Lord. That's it. We live our lives as unto him. But notice the scripture teaches us that by faith we walk, not by sight. Why is this important for us? Because if there is one thing that is going to hinder you or hinder myself from getting to where God wants us to get is when we are too busy focusing on the things we see, the things we feel, the things we've experienced, instead of focusing on the one who changed our life, the one who changes our experience, the one who's delivered us from sin. That's what happens to us. Because what is sight, church? Sight is a sense. 
That's what it is. It is a natural sense. And how is it that we gain or we develop our natural senses? We develop our natural senses through our experiences in the world. Is that not correct? We develop our natural senses through our experiences with people. We develop our natural senses through our experiences in life. But how is it that we develop our faith senses? Well, we develop our faith senses by our experience in the Word of God. We develop our faith senses by our experience in the presence of of God. We develop our faith senses by what? By our experiences in life walking with God. That is how your faith grows, church. But we're waiting for God to change everything around us. And he says, I want to start inside of you. See, because that, 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 is, the, that is the greatest problem of, you know, the religious folks in our day. They are too busy trying to change the outside and they forgot it all starts right here doesn't start on the outside listen I could put a suit on you <laughs> I got a few in my closet praise the Lord some of them don't fit me right now but glory to his name I could put a suit on you put a tie on you I could put a briefcase in your hand is that going to make you a businessman I better do something for the inside of you I better deposit some stuff in you and that is what God Almighty wants to do with us in this area of faith and so many times what will happen to us, and we see this in this wonderful story with Noah, is that our faith senses will contradict our natural senses. Our faith sense, the things that we know that God said, the things that we know that God is calling us to do, the things that we know that God has purposed for us, will, 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 will sometimes, a lot of times, will begin to contradict what in the natural is, is, is saying, what the natural is, is saying to you. You look at your situation, oh man, I can't do that. I gave you the example the other week about the person who's looking in the natural at their checkbook, and they're like, man, there's no way I can tithe. Mm -hmm. That's a natural sense. Hello? Listen, listen, listen. I'm not telling you, because I, I, I want you to hear me when I say this. <laughs> it is not that your tithing is going to get you out of your problem. Because can I, can I tell you something? There are a whole lot of tithers who are in financial problems. You know why? Because they are bad stewards over the other 90%. Did you hear what I just said? Once again, I want to point out to you, when you give your tithe, oh, you're speaking volumes to God. And you are saying a whole bunch of stuff to the devil. But you know what the devil is looking at you saying? Well, let's see how you're going to spend that 90%. Let's see what, what you're going to do with the rest of that money there. Because you know what? God said he's going to supply all of your needs. Hello, church. No, Y'all ain't saying nothing. He's going to supply all of your needs. He didn't, he didn't say nothing about want. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yeah, that word means need as well. Hello. Hold on a second. Bishop, I thought I'm going to be blessed. You are blessed, glory to God. And you better learn to live within your means of blessing or else you will find yourself what? Oh, God, this tithing thing don't work. Mm -hmm. You're right because you only got one part of the puzzle. But you got to get the rest of this, which is what? Stewardship. Learning how to budget. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Say this with me. If it is not impossible for us to do it, it is too small for God to do it. When we see this story in the book of Genesis, we find Noah. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6, tells us a wonderful story. It's a sad story actually, but it's a wonderful, you know, interruption to the negativity. And it is that men were corrupt 
Their minds were all messed up. Every thought, the Bible says, was on evil. God was grieved that he had made man on the earth. And he says, you know what? I am not going, man is not going to be on this earth forever, going to be 120 years. So for 120 years from that moment, these men have to live on the earth. Somewhere in the midst of that 120 years, a man by the name of Noah is born there, or he's, he's already on the scene. Well, in the midst of that 120 years, God speaks to Noah because of what? Because the Bible tells us that Noah is a man who, number one, found favor with God, who, number two, was righteous before God, number three, he was blameless before God, and what I love is what the text shows us because it says that Noah walked with God. Why is this important? Because you remember the last guy that walked with God in the book of Genesis? You remember what happened to him? He was gone. So I think Noah might have got a revelation, and he said, yo, I see the hell that's going on around here. I see how these people are acting. I see the way these people think. I'm not going to be like them. I know a story about a guy named Enoch. I'm going to walk with God, and that way I can go, and I don't have to deal with this no more, right? That's just my thought. I didn't say that's in the Bible. It's just my thought. I'm, you know, common sense. If I'm looking at someone, I saw a good thing, heard a good testimony, said, man, there's a way out of this place, so I'm going to walk with God. The Bible says he's walking with God. doesn't say he takes him away. What does it say? It says God calls him. It says, all right, son, you've been walking with me. Now it's time for you to work for me because I need the next person for my little lineup of faith. I need to show the people of God what it is to work for God by faith. Notice what I said. If it is not impossible, church, God doesn't need to do it. If you can do it on your own, he doesn't need to do it. Look at your neighbor and say, are you, are you doing anything that you can't do? Because God will do it through you as long as it's in his will. Make sure you tell him that, glory to God. Because we go on ahead and we just twist scriptures all over the place. I can do all things. Mm -hmm. You better read the text, y'all. You can do all. You can suffer, glory to God, for the kingdom of God. You can go through shipwreck. You can go through painful service. You can go through everything as long as it's aligned with the will of God. Hello? <laughs> Listen. The issue is that we are in situations where we're trying to do all things, but we haven't asked God, God, what is the things that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? Because when you get that in your mind, you get that in your heart, then you know what you begin to do? You begin to walk it out, and no matter how tough it is, you're like Paul. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Why? Because he's supplying you the strength that you need in order to get to where God needs to bring you. Amen? Although, no, I want you to notice this about him. He was the man of God of the hour. The Bible says out of everybody that was on the earth, he was the only one that was righteous. He was the only one that was blameless. He was the only one that found favor with God. He was the only one that was walking with God. And you want to know something? Here's the thing that we don't want to hear, and it is this. Faithfulness with what we know will always lead us into the realm of the unknown. Mm -hmm. What do you mean, Bishop? Let me explain it to you. When I first got saved, I used my testimony. I got it down, Pastor Robert. I used to pray, read my Bible, seeking God. I had, I had that, that was down. I knew that, that I needed to do that. And all of a sudden, one day, I had a friend named Nakadia, and I was like, um, I don't know why, but what, what does it mean to fast? Now, mind you, I've been saved for a couple of months. Read about fasting, but I didn't know what fasting was. So she tells me, well, you know, fasting is, and this was her definition. She said, well, you know, fasting is abstaining from food and only drinking liquid. So I was like, okay. So it was like, you know, some, it, it, was, it was in the evening, like probably like Thursday or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, the next morning I wake up, pouring my bowl of cornflakes. I got the milk, getting ready to pour it in there. 
And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost is like, I want you to fast today. Hmm? Cornflakes. Could you have told me this last night? I smell, you know, the, you, you know how you smell? The, the, yeah, you, know, you got it, right? <laughs> so I had a choice to make. Enter into a realm that I didn't know about. Do something the next level. It's in the scriptures, amen. Bible talks about fasting. I went ahead, I'm going to tell you a little fun. This is the funny part of the whole thing. She told me that I could drink liquid. So I thought liquid milk is a liquid, glory to God. So I poured me a nice big glass of milk, and I said, well, here's my liquid, glory to his name. I'm not going to eat no food. Drink. The, but here's the, here's the beauty. Let me, let me, this is a beautiful story, glory to God. It's funny, but it's wonderful. Because you know what? After I drank my glass of milk, I went down and I prayed. Let me tell you something. I never felt the Holy Ghost in my prayer closet like I did that day. Well, Bishop, you weren't fasting correctly. I didn't know that. I was giving God what I knew. Remember? He said, she said, drink. I said, okay, well, this is a liquid. I could drink milk. But then I got the revelation later on. I can guarantee you now, if I drink milk, I'll be like, man, I ain't even going to try to fast. Let me go ahead and get some cereal, eggs, bacon, whatever, because I know that that's not fasting, because I know that today, okay? I understand that. But the fact of the matter was that God was like, all right, son, you got this down. You know to pray. You know to read the word. You know to worship. You know all that stuff. Now I want to take you into fasting. Why? Because God wants to always take us to that next dimension, church. And so you know what? It's good because see, some people are like, well, I'm just not going to be faithful with what I know. No, now you're going to be in disobedience. Because what I'm telling you is God don't want you to just be comfortable, chilling. I'm praying, reading the word. You know, I'm fasting because now Bishop talked about fasting. Glory to God. I'm learning, you know, I got worship. We're learning about evangelism. You know, we start evangelizing. Is that the end, church? Is that the end? Do you think that that's the end with God? It's never the end with God until you meet him. Hello. When you meet him, now you've come to the end because there's no more. Now you're just going to see him in glory, and that's it. But if you're here on this earth, there's always more with him. And Noah shows us something that is absolutely amazing. He is there in his days. He's a man that is blameless. He's a man that is righteous. He is walking according to whatever he understood from God. Whatever they understood from God at that time, he was walking according to that standard because God is the one who testifies and says all of these things about this man. It's nobody else. He's not going and, you know, somebody told him that he was this no this is what God says about him and he says all right son you've been doing all of these things now I'm calling you to a place where nobody else is going I'm calling you to a place where nobody else has been yet I'm calling you to do more than anybody than anybody else has ever seen and this is what we need to understand is that be it in the written word of God or revealed by the Holy Spirit your next level will never be comfortable it will never be simple and it will never be within your own ability it will never, even if, listen, even if you think, because I was one of those that thought that it was within my ability. I remember when I became the youth pastor. Could ask Pastor Robert. He knew me well. Knew I had a little pride issue. Hallelujah. I became the youth pastor, and I'm like, oh, this thing is just going to blow up. We're going to have tons of youth up in here. Listen, listen, listen. For the glory and honor of God, he definitely brought some growth to that youth ministry. But can I tell you something? I, want, I, I learned real quick that I wasn't all that in a bag of chips. Hello. I learned what it was to depend on God. I told you about Faith Doma Fellowship. When we started, I had somebody saying, Bishop, the first day you open the church, you're going to have 200 people in the building. We had 60, glory to God. 
And that was because half of them were friends of mine that just wanted to come and support our first day. The next week we had like 35 folks, and I was like, praise the name of the Lord. And I'm looking at this auditorium that's got like 300 seats, so, you know, we look real crazy up in there. And so I'm like, oh, my Lord. But you know what? God didn't do it. You know, and I got to learn too. No, son. I got to stretch you. I got to develop you. And I got to bring you to that place where it is uncomfortable, where you are not depending upon yourself. That is what Noah had to do. The second thing that I want you to repeat with me here is I want you to say our response to the revelation of God is the true measure of our faith. Look at verse 7 with me. It says, by faith. Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Now notice, Noah was getting a revelation of this coming storm that was about to hit the earth. Now a lot of theologians believe that it had never rained up until that point. Now I don't know if that's true or not because the scripture doesn't say yay or nay on it. But what I do know is this, that there had never been a storm of the magnitude that God promised was coming. Never had they seen anything like that. Never had they seen torrential rains the way that they were going to come. Never was... Because what happened was it wasn't just rain coming from the top, but the bottom, the ground broke up, the springs, the the waters under the ground burst up. That's the way that this earth got flooded the way that it did. And so nobody had ever heard of something like that. And he is divinely warned. God gives him this word and this revelation. And the scripture says that he moved with reverence in one version or he moved with this godly fear. He didn't sit back and say, well, I don't know. Let me go and talk to the scientist of our day. Is it possible... That isn't what he did. You know, I, I think that it, it, it may rain. You know, there, there may be a very, you know, high torrential rain. We may flood the earth. How, how do you think that that's a possibility? That, that isn't what Noah did. Noah said, oh, hold on a second. I've been walking with you. Amen. You got to walk with him. In my walk with you, I've got to know your voice. And so I know you're speaking to me. So what did the scripture say Noah did? The Bible says that he moved with godly fear. And he began to do what? He began to build an ark. Nobody saw an ark before. Hello. Nobody saw that before. And he goes on ahead and dropped everything he was doing. Everything he was doing. And his brother said, listen, I know that God said that this is coming. I know that God said for me to build this thing. And I'm not going to waste one day. I'm not going to waste a month. I am going to get to work immediately. Why? Because he was moved by the voice of God. He heard what God was speaking to him. And you know what he did, y'all? He began to work like a madman. Hello. He was mad. According to everybody around there, they were walking around looking at this guy like, what is he building? Y'all seen that? What, what, is, that? what is that movie there? The, the one, Evan Almighty or whatever that is there. Y'all, y'all seen him building? You think, look, God gave us a good picture of what people thought. Like, this guy is nuts. This guy done lost his mind. This, this guy, he's, he's crazy. He's over here. He's not even coming to work no more. Hello. He's not doing anything else. He is giving 100% of his time, 100% of his effort to do what? To build this ark. To build this thing. Man, you know, he's nuts. He's out of his mind. But you know what he did? He built and he built and he built. What does the scripture go on to say? Come on and keep reading with me. It says, moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for what, church? For the saving of his household. What did he build this ark for? This ark was for salvation. Now, this is important because this goes right along with what God is dealing with us on. What is it that we're working for when we talk about we're working with God? Is it not the salvation of souls? 
Is it not the salvation of the lost? Is it not to bring others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Is it not to share the life-changing truth that we have received? This is what it is. And so what, 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 what Noah does here is he goes on ahead and he begins to build this ark because he realizes that the work that he is doing, not for God, but with God, the work that he is going to do and going to accomplish is going to bring salvation not only to himself but salvation to his family the ones who he loved and you know what I believe because the Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness church and if people would have responded to Noah I, this is just my belief I'm just telling you what I think I think if they would have responded and they would have said look we, we, we are turning away from our wicked ways and we realize his wrath is coming I believe that God would have allowed them a little ride on the, on the ship with them hello why? Because God doesn't rejoice in the death of the wicked. Hello? God is not happy about that. But here's the beauty of it. We're not called to build an ark today. Hello? Are we called to build an ark, church? No. You can say no. Say it loud. It's not a trick question. Say no. No. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to trick you. Glory to God. We're not called to build an ark. Repeat this third thing with me. Living in days like Noah requires a people of faith like Noah. Turn your Bible to the book of Matthew with me, please. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 36. When you got to say amen. It says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage unto the day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the son of man be. I notice the text. The text says, That nobody knows the day nor the hour when what? When the trumpets are going to sound and the church is going to be taken. That's what the scripture teaches us. But I want you to notice something because he says that it's going to be just like the days of Noah. And what happened? Did Noah and them, did, you know, did, did, the, did the ark lift up like weeks before the, 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 the flood came? Say no because it didn't happen. No. The same day when the, when, 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 when the, when the rain came down. Guess who was taken away? Noah and his family. The animals that were on the ark, they were taken away on that same day. The wrath of God began to be poured out on the earth. Why is this important, church? Because God gives us this example of this man of God who was working with God. And he also prophesies to us. And he says, Jesus speaking, he says, listen, he says, the days when, when the Son of Man comes are going to be just like the days of Noah. What does that mean? The people in Noah's day saw Noah building this ark and they were ignoring him. They continued on living like they wanted to live. They continued on just eating and being merry and partying and having a good old time and thinking, man, Noah done lost his mind. There is something wrong with him. And you know what, church? It's the same way when the church now begins to talk about this coming of Jesus Christ. I was sharing with, with some of the people and uh, with the men and I was talking about, you know, one of the most difficult things to do when you're trying to witness to folks is talk to people that already know everything about church 
Why? Because everything to them is like a big production. And it's, it's glory. Yes, judgment day. Listen, I was talking to a dude the other day. And I'm like, you know, do you know Jesus? And, he, and, and you know, I'm telling him, you know, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you a believer? I don't remember the exact question I asked him. And he said, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a believer. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't believe that, you know, God is being delegated by any church. And I said, you mean represented? And he's like, yeah, represented. I said, okay. And so he said, there's no church that represents God the way that it needs to be represented. And I was like, okay. So, you know, when he says stuff, I'm just laugh. You know, I laugh because I'm not going to get offended and get all upset. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, it's each his own opinion. And so, you know, I, he's like, you know, but I do believe. And, you know, and then, then he went on. He gave me a nice story about, you know, some, you know, bad examples that he saw in church. And I was like, okay. You know, so I heard, you know, the stories that he went to help went ahead and was telling us, telling me, and, you know, and, and I continue to talk to him about eternity, and I, and I just said, I said, listen, man, I said, you know, I, I know you have your beliefs, I said, but I want you to realize this, eternity is a long time for you to bank on what you believe and not truth, and he's like, oh, yes, I know judgment day, and I was like, glory to God, you know, and, 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 and it's almost as if they mock this church. So the most difficult people sometimes, or all the, most of the time, are going to be those who know. You know why? Because they already know. They already have all the answers. And their hearts are, their, their hearts are hard because, you know what? They haven't heard. They, they haven't seen this coming of Jesus that the church has been talking about for a long time. Hello. Because what? Preachers been talking about the coming of Jesus since Jesus left. <laughs> you, you don't think it's true? The apostles, that was one of their primary messages. It was about the coming of Christ. Why was that? Because that is our hope, church. That is, that is our hope that we get to see our Savior, that he will return. This is what the scriptures teach us. And so that has been a message that has been being said. And you know what? People have manipulated the scripture because they don't use it to encourage. Listen to me now. They don't use it to encourage folks. They don't use it because they're trying to build people's faith and keep you focused on Christ. But they use it to try to scare you into some kind of altar call. But listen. It's okay if you let somebody know tomorrow's not promised. Hello, somebody. It's okay if you let somebody know you can die and go to hell. It's okay. You know how I got, let me tell you how I got saved. I got saved because I knew about the rapture of the church. This is what was going on inside of me when, because I was a little kid and, you know, I, I used to hear about these stories and you got to get your head cut off if you're here or get the mark of the beast. And I was like, my goodness, I know I'm not, I don't want to get my head cut off and I don't want to get the mark of the beast because I don't want to go to, I knew that much. And you know what? That is what began to wake me up. I remember telling one of my friends, he grew up in a Catholic church and I told him, I said, man, do you know what's going to happen when Jesus comes to this earth? I wasn't saved. I'm already witnessing glory to God. I'm like, you know what's going to happen? And he's like, nah, you know, we were, we were over here getting high and just messed up. And so, you know, I'm telling, and he's like, he looked at me and I'm like, yo, when Jesus comes to this earth, man, I said, whoever is left here, I said, they are going to have to get the mark of the beast. And if they don't get the mark of the beast, they're going to get their head cut off. You know what he said to me? Cool, man. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? I'm like, I don't, I, I don't want to go through none of that stuff. 
Now, mind you, I don't necessarily believe, and you guys have heard me teach on this, I don't believe the same way that I used to believe when it comes with the rapture because what I understand is that the day that the church is taken up out of this earth, the wrath of God is coming at the same exact time. And so for us Christians, we have something to look forward to because Jesus, our King, is coming to get us, and we're going to rejoice with him in this feast, and it's going to be a glorious and wonderful thing. But for those of you that may not know him or are not sure, listen, when that trumpet sounds and we go, guess what? You are going to stay and the wrath of God is going to be on this earth and the beauty of it is that God does not want anybody to suffer his wrath. God sent his son to pay the price for what? So that way we could have life. So that way we would not have to go through this but we have to make a choice now here. We don't get it after that trumpet sounds, church. The Bible talks about the master closing the door and you banging on it saying, Lord, Lord. He's going to say, I don't know you. Hello? I was talking to someone else about it, and they were like, well, I'll just go ahead and die. I said, you won't die. You think you're going to die. That's what you say now. You won't even accept Jesus and tell someone about him. You ain't going to die when, when they come and tell you, well, you know what? It's either you live, you know, or, and, and you can eat, and everything's going to be wonderful, or you know what? You can go ahead and die for Jesus. Why, why are you going to die for Jesus then? You, you ain't going to die for him then. Why, why would you do it then? Listen, this is truth. When you look at these scriptures, these scriptures are reality, church. These scriptures have, they're, it's not about, because here's the thing, and I love what Mark Cahill says. you got to get people to think about the truth, not what they believe. Because what you believe doesn't matter. The truth is what matters. And there is only one source of truth, and that is the creator. And that is it, church. And people don't understand that. They think, I'm going to be okay with my beliefs. Listen, the brother that I talk to, if he doesn't repent of his sin, his beliefs are going to bring him before God who he's going to have nothing to say to except, well, I thought. He's going to say, you thought, see you. Hello? I know that sounds rude. And I'm not even going to say God's going to be that rude. But listen, what I do know is that we have got to be those people that realize we are living in the days of Noah. Do you hear what I just said? We are living in the days of Noah. We are living in days where people are doing their own thing, where people are living how they want to live, where people are not fearing God in any way, shape, or form. They hear us talking about Jesus coming, and they're like, yeah, that's going to be a long time from now. Listen, the Bible says no man knows. And your God wants to make sure that you are ready for that day. And, above, and, and, and even greater than that, that you prepare as many people as you can for that day see because we're not called to build an ark because the true ark according to first peter chapter 3 and verse 20 deals with our salvation in christ jesus that is the ark of god god already built the ark with the wood tree and the three nails he built an ark for what for us to be able to enter into but you know what there's three kind of people in this place right now there is the one person who they got their ticket on the ark and they found, I'm in seat 3A. And they have taken their seat, and they're ready for this thing to take off. Glory to God. And they're chilling right there. They're they good to go. I'm going to sit right here in my seat, 3A. Hallelujah. They're chilling. They're good. So that's one person that is in here. And I need to tell you that if you're that person, you need to repent because you need to get up out of your seat and you need to go and share with as many people because if you will just look around, you will notice that your ship there is half empty. Because of what? Because there are seats that are reserved for other folks and you need to go find them. Hello. But here's the problem. This is the problem. The problem is 
they got on the ship a little early, and they're sitting around talking to the one in 4A and the one in 5A, and they're so busy talking about, wow, we're going, that they forgot to go and share. Listen, don't let them make you feel like it's okay because it's not. Look, you got your ticket, put it in your pocket and get out there and share with those other people and help them get onto this ark. Hello. Then there is the other person, which is the one that is like Noah. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. And that is the one who they got their ticket, put it in their pocket, and they're saying, look, I need to tell you about this. I need to let you know about this wonderful gift that God has given us. And if you're that person, glory to God, you continue to work hard. You continue to let the Lord work out his will in your life. And then there is the other person that may be in this place. And that is the person who is outside of the ark, living your life like everything is okay. And God says, I want to give you the ticket to eternal life. I want to give you the ticket that you need to make sure that you don't suffer my wrath. Because God wants everyone, everyone, not some people, y'all. God wants everyone to experience his love. Listen, Pastor Frank said it last week. The week before that, I was sharing it with the intercessors. I said, when you are praying for someone's salvation, you're not praying amiss. You're not praying outside of God's will. God declares two times. One time through Peter and one time through Paul. Through Paul, he says, God wills that all men would be saved and they would come to the full knowledge of the truth. Here's the problem. Some of us have a partial knowledge of the truth. We need a full knowledge of the truth. The apostle Peter says, God is not slack concerning his promise. What is his promise? His coming for us. But he wills that all men would repent. This is what he says. He doesn't will that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance, church. And so which one of the three are you today? Are you the person who is preaching righteousness, who says, I know where I'm going, and I want to take as many people with me as possible? See, here's the beauty. When you get on a plane, you know, there's weight limitations. There ain't no weight limitations in this ark, y'all. You know what you should want? You should want it to be standing room only in your section of the ark. What does that mean? That means that you want to bring as many. Look, if you got to, my goodness, if you got to drag them out of hell, y'all, that you will do that with all of your heart and all of your soul. Or are you the person who you got your ticket and you want to make sure you got there early? You know what I'm saying? So you made sure you got to sit down. You need to turn from that. Or are you the person who doesn't have a ticket? who hasn't committed their life to Christ. Maybe you've been hearing the gospel week after week. Maybe 10, 15, 20 people told you about this. Maybe you grew up in church and you have never bowed your heart to Jesus. Listen, today is that day. Amen? Everybody stand to your feet and bow your heads, please.